0: Once again, the planet Earth has hurtled through space at a speed I have never resourced nor cared <laughs> to. We cling to this small pale blue rock making its way through all this nothing for yet another set of days. Remember that time itself is a malleable force and concept that only exists within our minds. I actually think that that's the plot to Time Runner that Josh (laughs) is. is, You just summed up the movie for me. That's
1: it. That's it.
0: Once again, four podcasters have come together to read the runes from cinema's history to see what the year 2022 holds for all of us. In this case, I think Runes is spelled (laughs) R-U-I-N-S. Greg and Josh, I have not seen your films. And uh, if they're anything like Jamie and mine, I would say the... Uh, outlook poor. <laughs>
1: I know. I'm very curious to see if yeah. 2022 sounds worse than 2021 sounded when we did this last year. To be fair, has there ever been a movie
0: made about the future that was like, "It's
1: great"? <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: a boring they, movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's like, we figured it you know out. What? It's
1: all fine. <laughs> this first film needs no introduction beyond this iconic line. Roll the tape. Insert. Sound of uh, soiling. I would
0: love, people. I would love, no, I no, want, no, I really not. wish that you were just like, needs no introduction, <laughs> and then you fucking do a, a poll quote that is something that nobody remembers.
2: Listen to me, Hatcher,
1: you gotta tell them, Silent Breed is people. Yes, indeed. Number 77 on AFI's 100 years, 100 movie quotes list. And in fact, the only context I had for this film until last night.
0: (laughs) A film so memorable you don't have to watch it. But
1: besides being people, what is Soylent Green? (laughs) The year is 2022. The place is New York City. The population of New York City is 40 million. It's an (laughs) ecological dystopia. Resources are depleted to near zeros. Staples we the audience may take for granted, such as vegetables or beef or a sunrise over the ocean, are now children's stories the elders passed down. Instead, sustenance is supplied almost entirely by the Soylent Corporation, who provides a communal food supply for half the world in the form of chalky wafers. Their latest product, Soylent Green, is hailed as a miracle, harvesting the protein of ocean plankton. But it's in constant short supply, causing breadline riots on every Soylent Green Tuesday. Rioting crowds are scooped up by scoopers. Literally uh, heavy machinery. (laughs) Designed to take the poor somewhere Uh, (laughs) the majority of new york's vastly overpopulated crowds sleep on the streets or in churches or on doorsteps in such congested numbers you have to watch where you step the only people to avoid these fates are predictably the rich The only people who can afford to live in spacious apartments and purchase real food at exorbitant prices. A jar of strawberry jam goes for $150 a pop. They are well cared for and removed from the horrors of the world. Their apartments even come with built-in furniture. And by furniture, I mean what they call concubines who are included in apartments to serve (laughs) their tenants as slaves. 2022 is a real Uh, blast. (laughs) Enter It may be the second amendment But it's first in my heart Charleston Heston (laughs) Who plays truly terrible Detective Frank Thorne Thorne is sent to investigate the murder of William R. Simonson, one of the board members of the Soylent Corporation. It seems to be an open and shut case of a burglary gone wrong. While his furniture, Sherl, was out grocery shopping with his bodyguard, played by Video High alum Chuck Connors, Yeah. Simonson was beaten to death with a crowbar. But Thorne doesn't suspect it's that simple, especially since the burglar didn't take anything from the apartment. An oversight Thorne doesn't repeat. Pocketing everything he can get his hands on, alcohol, soap, beef, vegetables, and the promise to return to take advantage of Simonson's furniture. Thorne returns to his precinct with the theory that Simonson's murder was actually an assassination. He sets his assigned book, a police analyst named Solomon Roth, who lives with him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Questionable. (laughs) On looking into Simonson's life and provides him with two key pieces of evidence. Oceanographic survey reports from 2015 to 2019. From this point forward, Saul is really doing the heavy lifting in this investigation, but Thorne (laughs) continues to do what he does best, interrogate furniture, pocket goodies from the rich, and start a sexual relationship with Cheryl. The one lead he follows is that of a priest that Simonson made a confession to prior to his murder, a man who has been driven insane by whatever information Simonson gave him. But before Thorne can get the information out of him, the priest, too, is assassinated. Thorne's superiors try to take him off the case and various assassination attempts on his life try to sway him, but he's just too stubborn. Again, probably because as long as he's investigating it, he has unquestionable access to Simonson's apartment and riches. Spoilers, it entails having sex with Cheryl, who is quickly falling for Thorne, all the while he still sees her as nothing more than furniture. The real investigating work is done by Saul, who, with the help of the other books in the NYPD, deciphers the oceanographic report and learns the oceans are dead. There's no way Soylent could be made of ocean plankton the revelation haunts him and he leaves a note for thorne saying he's going home Saul heads to a euthanasia center where (laughs) he is treated to a symphony of classical music and images of the world before he slowly dies just a sidebar euthanasia in 2022 bad death with dignity though I say that that's something they have over us. So
0: (laughs) It's a short list. It's the short list.
1: (laughs) Thorne doesn't make it in time to save him, but Saul's final warning is to relay what he learned and to beg Thorne to find proof to make them stop. Thorne breaks into a sanitation plant where dead bodies from the city are taken, a surprisingly easy endeavor, and it is there that he learns the horrifying, if unsurprising, news. The bodies of the (laughs) dead are converted into soylent green and humans have been eating each other for sustenance for some time now. Thorin rushes back to the city proper, tailed by various thugs sent to murder him, and he's able to kill his pursuers, but not without receiving a critical blow himself. His police captain finds him, and he's carted off to somewhere. All the while, trying to warn the crowds around him that like grain is people. It's people. The film was released in 1973 to largely mixed reactions. New York Times critic A.H. Weiler wrote, Soylent Green projects essentially simple muscular melodrama a good deal more effectively than it does the potential of man's seemingly witless destruction of the Earth's resources. Mr. Robinson is pitiably natural as the realistic, sensitive oldster facing the futility of living and dying surroundings, but Mr. Heston is simply a rough cough chasing standard bad guys. Their 21st century New York occasionally is frightening, but it's rarely convincingly real. Penelope Gillette of The New Yorker was negative, writing, This pompously prophetic thing of a film hasn't a brain in its beanbag. Where is democracy? Where is the popular vote? Where, Where is where is women's lib? Where are the uprising poor who would have suspected that this was happening in a moment? Well, Penelope, allow me to introduce you to 2022. God,
0: that's... Seventies sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing intellectually worth keeping nope. from the
1: seventies. There is some pretty prophetic images in the movie. Crowds of poor citizens wear masks to prevent the spread of disease in their densely populated areas. Riots consistently erupt due to supply chain failures. (laughs) The oceans are dying. Resources ebb and flow, and only the rich can escape the insecurity. Police exploit their positions, and corporations team up with politicians to become the sole distributor of goods. Honestly, the most unrealistic part of this movie is the whole portrayal of the conspiracy around Soylent Green. The few characters we meet who are in the know about Soylent Secrets are driven to madness because of the truth. But at the same time, there are a lot of people working in the Soylent factories and the government and the law enforcement agents (laughs) and the maintenance crews and many, many other people who must know something and keep it a secret and they're just fine. As has been proven time and time again, it's actually really hard for an honest-to-God conspiracy to exist without being unraveled because the sheer math of the people in the know who would have to keep it under wraps, just reaches unrealistic proportions. So the more realistic scenario for Soylent Green in the actual 2022 isn't necessarily that this conspiracy is going on and no one knows about it, but rather no one cares. (laughs) It's more plausible that Soylent Green would be the invention of some tech bro in Silicon Valley and lauded by politicians as the answer to all of their creative problems without addressing the root cause of those problems you know like how in 2014 robert Reinhart premiered the meal replacement drink soylent with winking irony after a successful crowdfunding campaign no comment from Reinhart on what he means when we say the word furniture <laughs> <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs>
0: movies long right
1: it's actually it's only an hour and a half is it i, yeah. really? I could
0: Oh, I thought it was like two and a half or something. No, no,
1: it's actually, it goes by at a clip. It's it's a pretty simple story, which I was pretty impressed by, which is why I was just laughing when Penelope was like, none of this could ever happen. (laughs) Surely democracy will win. Surely.
0: (laughs) Don't call me Shirley. My only memory of the movie is, one, watching it in an eighth grade chemistry class, which... (laughs) What?! (laughs) that is public schooling in America. Wow. <laughs> the, the poster is Charlton Heston in Ascot with his arms flailing like scream, like basically the Scream painting. Being like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got stuck on Solomon Roth and the thought of Charlton Heston creating a career. Of leading Jews into peril.
1: Oh no, that's, a- oh. listen, the baffling thing with that, with the concept of books in this movie, every time you see a book, it's very much like a coded Eastern European Jewish person. And I'm like, why?
0: Well, because calling them schmears just... <laughs> <laughs> and it's, I am, it's been, a, it's, been, a, it's, been a, it's been since eighth grade chemistry class, but I would imagine it's a... Pretty thinly veiled like the Holocaust is happening again thing,
3: mm,
1: right? It's like
0: mm. not just to choose this
1: time. <laughs>
2: Holocaust 2.0.
1: It's also again not a difficult mystery to solve. It's like, oh hey, this book <laughs> says there's no oceans and you can just literally walk into I was this factory. Say, couldn't you, like <laughs> I, what, couldn't you
2: walk into the ocean?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't you notice by like not being able to breathe anymore? Isn't right. that the idea? Like, <laughs> the oceans die and plane is gone, we just don't have air. I don't know how science works. Again, I was watching movies in chemistry
2: class.
1: (laughs) Did you like it? I did. I actually I liked it. I'd say it's like on par with a good Twilight Zone episode.
2: Hmm. I, i'm sure it helps that it's an hour and a half
1: it's an hour exactly if it was any longer yeah. i would have like been found it interminable
0: any premonitions for the future anything you see in the runes of the movie
1: <laughs> again everything <laughs> They nailed it they got the it right. supply chain casey the supply <laughs> chain
0: that is the problem is i feel like it's not that i don't believe that the sort of whatever powers that be government whatever wouldn't kill people and use them as food i don't believe it would so efficiently get out to the world i don't believe that they would it would move units quite well enough
1: the, that's the tricky thing is they're not killing people for food people are dying on mass because of yeah. the situations around but it's not like they're oh. truly killing people for are food. are just
2: using bodies and
1: like bodies haven't really meant anything by that point because they're like oh i remember i was at my grandmother's funeral we haven't had one of those in years and years and years so like death really has lost all its purpose and they just cart off the body so it's the the weirdest thing for me is like we've already like separated enough that a dead person means nothing why is it such a stretch that you're then using those dead people as protein it's called sustainability
0: baby <laughs> hey, 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 hey. <laughs> i've always said that when i die i'd love to give my body to cannibals or something or like have it as an option at the wake like right. instead of an open <laughs> casket, have like an open bar. <laughs> <You know?
3: laughs>
0: At least your bones gotta be used for broth. Exactly. Mm, That's just good cooking. Yeah, well, I can send my skull to, like, the Globe Theater and be one of 5,000 Hamlet skulls. No, that's lame. (laughs) That's stupid. That's fine. That's classy. Now I kind of
2: want to do that. I can finally have my showbiz (laughs) career after I die.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A funny aside, obviously, the detective's name is Thorn and, like, the sort of thorn in his side kind of. Uh, I found out recently that roses don't have thorns. They have prickles. Oh, that sounds so cute. I learned something from Soylent Green after all. Well, Mrs. Rogers, eighth grade (laughs) chemistry class, you were right all along. Yep, (laughs) I assumed you were just drunk. Mayday, mayday. We have lost all power. We are drifting towards Centrus B-40. All right, we move 27 years closer to 2022 with 1990's Dark Side of the Moon. In the darkness of space, an ancient power lives.
3: Something's out there. It's coming right at us. Second
0: New Year movie report involving the Dark Side of the Moon. Still no Floyd, laser or otherwise. (laughs) No eclipse, no time, no great gig in the sky, and I'm... If you listen back to last year's episode, because I did, there's a whole plot about going to the dark side of the moon. Apparently, 2021, 2022, all about classic rock. <laughs> you mean that classic rock in the sky? The sky? Yeah. <laughs> like the classic rock up there. It's absolutely. Classic rock. It feels particularly damning that this dark side of the moon starts with a title sequence that is quite literally on fire, which does not (laughs) bode well for the next couple of weeks in my book. (laughs) (laughs) I'll set the scene in the year of our Lord 2022. We have nukes in space, or so says the opening text crawl. Something about refabbing spaceships and it being really dangerous, but it, it truly doesn't matter until it does and even then it really actually doesn't. Basically, we're in the dark expanse on a ship doing a routine mission near the moon when everything starts to go haywire sparks start shooting out of computers immediately, and everyone seems surprisingly calm about that. (laughs) (laughs) Then the ship's computer nerd, Paxton Warner, and notably, everybody on this ship has names like this.
1: (laughs) It's the Matrix.
0: (laughs) Flynn Harding, Dreyfus Steiner. Ooh, this is
2: some Dune naming right here. Giles Stewart. Damn, 2022
0: is awesome. Yeah, this is honestly the most inaccurate depiction as there is not a single Logan, Madison, nor Asher to be found. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Paxton Warner, who's played by Lloyd of the Shining himself, Joe Turkle, sporting the same big glasses he wears in Blade Runner, is talking to their cyborg lady dual core T9 state of the art big boy computer named Leslie, which is literally just a chick who sits in a room. Who, when they turn her on, she's like, Hello, what do you want to know? Wild. It, act- it makes all these sequences where people are trying to get information from a computer actually interesting rather than just typing onto a screen. So that's kind of cool. But yeah, Leslie's all like, yeah, nothing's wrong with the ship. And then suddenly there's no lights, and then they're going to run out of air in two weeks. Actually, I lied 24 hours. Literally, all of this information sh- it happens in the first five minutes of the movie. And everyone is reacting like they don't have their preferred milk at the coffee shop. Not that they're being faced with their impending freeze death. So yeah, I mean, everyone's just like, we've got 24 hours until we're gonna die. I guess we should uh, send a distress signal. Uh, So the ship is basically floating space junk and nobody can get anything working and they're floating towards, wait for it, the dark side of the moon. Q money here.
1: Uh, Giles
0: is our slick back haired hunk, uh, but there's also a seasoned vet captain, the Roddy McDowell knockoff comps guy, the hot chick who doesn't have any place on the ship seemingly, the hillbilly comms specialist, and the Jewish doctor. And they do say he's the Jewish doctor.
1: Greg, the, the correct term is book. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Suddenly, out of the darkness, an old NASA ship comes towards them. And since they're dead meat anyway, they dock to hopefully snag some of their sweet, sweet air and hopefully fuel. As you'd imagined, there is no one on board the ship. Everything is weird and filled with water until they find uh, the body of a rando guy who is jettisoned from the rafters above them. They bring him onto the first ship and they find that he has a perfect triangle cut into his guts and thus starts the movie's most baffling and maybe true to our time's obsession. This movie is about the Bermuda Triangle. What? Wait,
2: wait, wait. This movie that is this in space is
0: about, about the-, what? the Bermuda Triangle. Wait, this you movie
1: is called Dark Side of the Moon and has this triangles, <laughs> but is not is about, about <laughs> Pink Floyd. The Bermuda
0: Triangle. <laughs> You see, the old NASA ship originally splash-landed in the Bermuda Triangle along with 665 other ships over the years. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it? But if you project these coordinates out from Bermuda to the dark side of the moon, our fair ship is right smack in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle slash moon trajectory. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. So if you were to guess that the movie goes full carpenter thing here, you'd be right. Before anyone can say event horizon, the devil gets on board and starts chest bursting and sucking people's faces into their triangle gut hole. Casey is googling the host host and taking their dang souls. (laughs) What? Now, it's worth noting that this movie is played super duper straight, and it really fucking works. (laughs) Despite the fact that everyone is playing it like they're on downers or trying to do their best Carrie M. Moss in the Matrix, it's legitimately creepy, highly atmospheric, and downright fun. It's got a whole mess of endings. Uh, which is usually a bad thing, but in this case just sort of ratchets up the bonkers. At one point, the android computer spikes the camera and says, get away from me, you motherfucker, to the audience. <laughs> I like it when a movie plays a little coy with me.
2: The crew of Space Core 1
0: has discovered its secret.
3: Come on, that ship splashed down in the Bermuda Triangle 30 years ago. What's it doing up in space? Look at this. 666, six, six, the
1: mark of the beast. Now, a scientific mission
0: has become an exploration into the unknown. Yeah, this movie is... Sick! It was great. I loved it. the The real ending is really downbeat. You can't win against twenty twenty two, so don't try. Love it. <laughs> I'm gonna see. You can see that on wine glasses in Target next year.
2: Well, that's if the supply chain doesn't get to it
1: yeah, first.
3: That's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Greg, <laughs> yeah. I want to go
1: back to the crazy bonkers names for a second, because what's sure. fascinating to me about that is the writers of this movie were writing it in nineteen ninety nineteen eighty nine, and taking place only 30 years later so that implies that they're writing these character names being like yeah 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 this year people are gonna start naming <laughs> their kids these crazy bonkers yeah, yeah. names
0: dreyfus <laughs> is,
1: is
0: is big on the list as a first name
1: i
2: love the idea of casting the bermuda triangle into space man yeah
0: it, it doesn't make a lick of sense but it does work it is one of those things where it's like the audience is like miles ahead of the characters all the time but it's still just super fun it's also just like funny giles the main guy is just like name all of the ships how many and they're like 665 it's just like jesus cut. <laughs> it takes that guy like two days to figure it. he's like oh no it's the devil <laughs> <laughs> like tonally it really shouldn't work but it really does it's really
2: fun so it's like a john apprentice carpenter
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i guess there is something like laughable like a like a laughably ridiculous characterization of people to think that There's obvious death and destruction and catastrophe happening all around them. They're at this like perilous position in space where like death is around every corner. Instead of panicking or doing something about it, they're just like talking to personified AI and like (laughs) Googling ridiculous conspiracy theories. Isn't that like laughably silly? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One second, one one second guys. Uh, Hey Siri. Call Kettle Black, please. (laughs) There is also a whole sort of C plot where the hillbilly guy who's obsessed with guns almost kills the main character, which feels very timely. (laughs) Good astronaut to have the moon station
2: yeah what i'm hearing is that just in 2022 another billionaire is going to go into space and then ask siri a question about the bermuda triangle which honestly does not seem that far out of the realm that, of possibility that is not a
0: ridiculous headline to read right now. that is, that is a within it's why satire died Is because you just said that and it wasn't an inherent lead <laughs> so wait a minute wait a minute. They were in the path of the Bermuda... Tri- for how long? That's not how... Unclear. Rotation of celestial bodies Un- were clear. <laughs> <laughs> They were like trapped... Like the Bermuda Triangle was like a tractor beam just holding them in <laughs> that spot. It, seemingly what it is is they entered the area that if you were to like take the coordinates of the Bermuda Triangle and just shoot them outward, it would go to the dark side of the moon and they're in that
2: but the moon isn't in yes. ac- isn't in its yes. orbit yeah. with yes yes planet yes cuz then the tides wouldn't work listen doesn't matter <laughs> you're thinking you're thinking too hard, too hard. about
0: it yeah. the devil... Is body snatching people and putting their faces into his guts and, and saying shit like, you all had a choice and now your souls are mine. Wait, what was their choice? No, they didn't. There was no choice. They don't explain a lot. The devil sounds confused. Just another powerful man going up to space to do something.
3: Not
0: sure why. <laughs> At some point, Giles, the main character, is like, "Why the Bermuda Triangle?" And he literally goes, "It was convenient." <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's
0: the greatest.
2: Man, all movies should write off their plot as. It's convenient. <laughs> bullshit. Absolutely. It's
0: total bullshit. Don't
1: think about it too hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a movie.
0: That was a script note that made its way into the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we jump forward from 1990 to the distant future of
3: 1993.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mark Hamill is a time runner.
3: You're our last one.
0: The future depends on his journey into the past.
2: So, bad news. On October 6th, an alien armada is going to attack the Earth. But good news, Mark Hamill is going to save us all, as I always knew he would. (laughs) In 1993's Time Runner, Mark Hamill stars as Michael Rayner, the last survivor of the United American Spaceship friendship (laughs) just as the armada blows it up he escapes into a convenient wormhole that sends him back to 1992 he arrives in washington state mere days before his own birth how exactly does this warping of the space-time continuum come to happen don't worry about it Rayner certainly doesn't (laughs) nor does he question why the friendly wormhole keeps showing up to give him visions of scenes later in the movie (laughs) i guess cosmic spatial rifts just aren't immune to mark hamill's charm either Anywho, Raynor takes it upon himself to retrieve his escape pause flight recorder because it'll save the future or help him return to the future to save it. Don't worry about it. To do this, he'll need the help of Karen Donaldson, a scientist slash doctor slash plot device.
1: Josh, they're called furniture. Furniture.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And Arnie, a shotgun-wielding car mechanic who overhears all of the exposition after Karen and Raynor steal his plane while he's napping in the back of it. (laughs) <laughs> Rainer immediately. <laughs> That's how Arnie gets in the movie. He's asleep in the back of his
0: plane. You know,
2: fair. Sure. Rainer immediately knows that Karen's an alien because she doesn't react to a boo-boo on her hand. <laughs> Turns out aliens look exactly like humans, only they don't feel pain and occasionally talk in modulated voices. But don't worry. I'm sure no one else is secretly an alien. They all break into an Air Force base where the sinister Colonel Freeman is keeping Raynor's escape pod. They get the flight recorder and find it has footage of the space station exploding in the future. Raynor wants to bring this to John Neela, a senator who will become president of the world in the future, played by Brian (laughs) James, a Blade Runner and Fifth Element fan. Wait, Brian
0: James is going to be the fucking (laughs) president President of of the world? Nope.
3: That's
2: bad. Got my vote. We need need more chin. (laughs) (laughs) So why will giving the senator of Washington state a laser disc of B-movie special effects during election season help him stop an alien invasion 30 years in the future? Don't worry about it.
3: <laughs>
2: Things turn south when Neela, Freeman, and Karen are bum 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 all revealed to be aliens. If only Neela's name was some kind of clue and was plastered on campaign posters all over the place. Too bad Danny Torrance wasn't there to red rum the thing. Neela, N E I L A. Shut the fuck up. Figure it out, folks.
1: No way. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> we are in the town of Neilbog, everybody. <laughs> oh,
3: that's
0: so good.
3: That's such good this writer. is why. Okay,
0: movies like this are the reason why we see tweets of people being like, Omicron plus Delta equals media, media control. control.
2: <laughs> Somehow, Karen thought that Rainer could help their plan. Not clear how. The wormhole butts in to show everyone Rainer's mom being killed on his birthday. Neela thinks this is a pretty neat idea, so he dispatches some goons to her house to stop Rainer from ever being born. Rainer escapes, and Arnie drives them to Rainer's mom's house. She's packing to drive herself to the hospital herself because she's a badass single mom in the early 90s. I'm getting vibes like this is like kind of like another movie made around the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're like, talking about. I'm not sure what, though. I don't get, there's nothing I can I can match hmm. this to no Raynor arrives in time to stop Neela's goons but his mom gets hit in the crossfire she dies on the way to hospital but at least he managed to save his own birth that is until Neela kidnaps the baby Raynor uh, some gunplay ensues, there's a chase around a scaffolding factory, and in the end, Neela is sent tumbling several stories to his death, which causes him to vanish from the future in a bright light. Okay. Oh, did I forget to mention that this entire film is cross-cut with scientists in 2022 hacking into a Ukrainian missile silo to destroy the aliens and keeping President Neela hostage at gunpoint? Don't worry about it. Thanks, <laughs> Hunter Biden. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, in 1992, Rader pulls a Luke Skywalker and fades away into the force or something. And from the ether, he imparts these final words of wisdom that I think we should all bring with us into the new year. If I can live in the past, maybe I can change the future. What does it mean? Don't
1: worry
0: about it. <laughs> what
1: does that mean? <laughs> I can live in the past, the past. maybe, maybe I, can I can
3: change the future.
0: He's a new kind of Terminator.
3: Sir, we have to talk. Your life and the lives of millions depend on it. And
0: he's after a different kind of alien.
3: You're one of them, aren't you?
2: Time Runner. This was a very, very disappointing movie to me. I I saw Time Travel and Mark Hamill, and I got very excited.
0: Yeah, but you forgot to look at 1993.
1: (laughs) 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 Movies didn't get good until 1994, Josh. We all know that.
0: Mark (laughs) Hamill, post-Jedi, pre-Batman tough. It was a tough time. I like that moral. If I can live in the past, maybe I can change the future, because it cuts the present out of the equation (laughs) totally.
2: Yeah, there is no now, so why should I do anything? It is truly...
0: very sort of existentially dark thought.
2: <laughs> yeah, Raider never really does anything in the whole movie. Like, he's shown the future enough to change it. So he, like, saves a waitress's life because the wormhole is like, look, you will get this waitress killed. Oh. He's like, okay.
1: But is the wormhole, like, anthropomorphic? Like No, it's just like a
2: swirly... Okay, like, I'm thing. picturing,
1: like, a, a fun animal sidekick, but it's a wormhole. Beep, <laughs> beep. <laughs>
2: Oh, that would be great. No, it just randomly, a cloud appears and he has a headache randomly. And then, okay, oh, and other people can see the wormhole visions.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Which is
2: not important. The thing that I am getting
0: from this movie is that 1993 or 92 people were fucking stupid if they didn't look at Brian James and went like, there's something wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Oh, and <laughs> exactly. I think he knows they're stupid if he chooses the name Neela. Neela. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, He's
0: not just subtle Because we, the reality voting populace, are really batting a thousand. <laughs> we we, we do such a good job here in reality (laughs) did the tea leaves tell you anything at the bottom of this uh
2: there is no lesson to be gained from this
0: movie
1: except if we can live in the past we can change the future what i
2: get from that is uh we need to keep doing remakes that is the premise of
0: spin-off and reboot sort of culture isn't it
2: right is if we could live in the past we can save the future (laughs) it's just let's remake everything that's the tagline to nostalgia
0: well speaking of the slow intractable march of time (laughs) 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 we move one year into the future (laughs) because like with all entropic natural phenomenon we slow down as we approach zero we (laughs) As we get <laughs> to the end of time, wow. that, that curve never hits. Uh, we never never hits twenty twenty
1: two. I want to see Prisoner two six
3: seven five. I run a multinational business here, Mister Robbins. Basically, I take human garbage from around the world and I reprocess it. You will have no future contact with the outside world. No visitors. No phone calls. No letters. For all intents and purposes, you're dead. Was there anything you wanted to add? Never turn your back on me again.
0: I watched a somehow previously unbeknownst to me genre jumping anti masculine slash imperialism is barbarism allegory about the human resilience found within every red blooded gay mass murderer. No, I will not be (laughs) taking questions at this time. It is 1994's No Escape or Escape from Absalom, or Absalom 2022. And I love that you can almost hear the defibrillator blast on each retitling, because despite... (laughs) Because despite the re-release attempts tracking through all forms of at-home media from laserdisc to Blu-ray, <laughs> a cadre of character actors and cinematex at the top of their form, and even a Sega Genesis video game tie-in. Wait, what? what? Yeah, there's a Sega Genesis game. It's a two D. I need an like,
1: emulator stat. Holy
0: goddamn shit! Yeah, it's two D, kind of like Contra esque platformer. The game seems to be Game of buying one awesome sequence from the beginning of the movie, and that's it, and then ignoring the rest of the movie. Also, this movie was not a hit. No, no. <laughs> no as, so not, a, not a flop, per se, but no. but when your budget's 20 million and your gross is 15, you usually didn't get a Sega time. No, right? No, but that's the thing, is what's amazing is despite all these things No Escape has going for it, No Escape seems to share the fate of every jungle fortress, future wasteland, hench person it slatters across the screen. live weird, die exciting and get forgotten <laughs> <laughs> Maybe its lack of success had something to do with its ability to be repackaged as a blood pumping action. B, homage to 70s grit turned 90s camp. Or C, futuristic sci-fi cheese without editing a single frame. I don't know who's to say. All I know is I like all those things, and this movie is all those things. (laughs) No Escape opens with the title card. In the year 2022, the international prison system is operated by private corporations. Criminals from all over the world are exploited at a profit. Prisons have become big business. And that's a check, check, and triple (laughs) check a there so far, (laughs) Chief. Cut to an off-angle overhead shot of three soldiers standing at the ready on a chrome platform, looking like chess pieces set on a tiny board without the black and white while the shadows from a nearby wilderness claw after them over plain asphalt, over which the opening credits read off names you love to love. Ray Liotta, Lance Henriksen, Kevin Dillon, Ernie Hudson, Kevin J. O'Connor, or as he's known by his stage name, Benny from The Mummy. (laughs) (laughs) The music then shifts from sci-fi suspense to oddly romantic with the title card and Michael Lerner as the warden, which does mirror my personal feelings about Michael Lerner. (laughs) I I love that he's in this movie and he gets the and title card. Then the music shifts yet again without cutting from this one overhead shot (laughs) to to a militaristic march as a group of soldiers march from frame top right to bottom left of frame in front of the platform of soldiers. Seemingly in uniform single file until one person, that is Captain J.T. Robbins, played by Ray Liotta, breaks rank and fucking domes the general standing on the platform Cut to Fiery Explosion. Fade <gasps> in to Ray Liotta's piercing blue eyes, his absolutely 100% hottest of many hot attributes, again, I am not taking questions. <laughs> and, that, and that's when the movie freeze frames, it's like, so I guess you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> that's when the movie should freeze and say, how's the erection, Casey? Cause I am down to clown with this movie. Ray Leona is a transport that looks pretty much like the Disney monorail. Tracking across a barren wasteland, they shot it in Australia, it's real. <laughs> it was just a real <laughs> <bear and> Baron <baseline>. Wesley. <laughs> He's brought face-to-face with Michael Lerner as the warden, a hard, capitalist who is making money, so says the opening titles on the prisoners. Now, we never really see this happening. <laughs> Seemingly, prison is a lot of people giving us exposition because a computer screen, essentially a Zoom call, shitty hologram, which we do have in the year 2022, <laughs> all tell us that Ray Liotta was a Marine, maybe Recon Marine, maybe Navy SEAL, who knows, but in 2011, he was convicted for killing his superior officer, in a military scandal based in Benghazi, Libya. Now, don't Google the attack uh, in Benghazi was September 11, 2012. But that's—it's pretty close. It's pretty close. That's pretty close. I, I think we <laughs> give No Escape some wiggle room here. They—they they were pretty close. <laughs> so we are also told that Ray Liotta has escaped from two level five facilities in the intervening 11 years since his arrest, and he is now being brought to this a level six facility. <laughs> He will very quickly be sent from that to another facility. What's important to remember is Ray Liotta can do anything. He's quicker than everybody. He's really awesome. He can literally kill at will. He can do whatever he wants. And he hates, hates being told what to do. But this act of injustice against the warden gets him sent to Absalom, the feared and fabled island prison colony, 200 miles off the coast of uh, something. (laughs) That's where they put their absolute worst prisoners, people who will be condemned to die there. He's dropped in Section 4, which is run by the Outsiders, a gang of familiar, if you've watched any movie, sort of wasteland (laughs) weirdos, but they're run by a charming but evil villainous man named Walter Merrick, played by Stuart Wilson, the bad guy from... uh, Okay, look, he's in more than just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles Through Time. He was in Age of Innocence the year before. I suppose that's important. Later, he worked with the same director in Mask of Zorro. He's really good in that. But I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And, the <laughs> and he's got long hair, like in that movie. Like, he still kind of looks like his character in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. And he seems to have the upper hand on Ray Leoto. He throws him a knife. And then he says, and we're going to let big guy here fight you. And a big guy with a big sword says, ah, and they get up on a log. And it seems like this guy, there's going to be a real showdown. And then Ray Liotta throws the knife in the guy's chest and the fight is over. <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> Ray Liotta can kill anybody at any time. You have to just no. remember that. Very
1: yes. Indiana Jones, very <laughs> Indiana Jones.
0: But Ray Liotta gets the way and he happens to get the gun again, can do anything at all times. And he runs <laughs> through the woods, killing henchmen with neck snaps and, uh, Uh, Obvious Rambo rip-offs. At one point, he triggers a trap with one of those big logs with spikes on it. Swings by, and and he ducks to get out of the way from it. It swings past him. He keeps running. The guy chasing him keeps running. It swings back. Shot holds on empty frame. Log swings back, guy is stuck to the log. It's
3: (laughs) This movie
0: has so many shots that are that cool. He is then picked up by Ernie Hudson, and they take him back to meet the father, played by Lance Henriksen, a religious leader who has created a sort of best-case scenario utopia here on the prison colony. Uh, But Ray again, doesn't like that. He doesn't like being told what to do, and he sees it for what it is, exactly the same as the evil society. They make choices where they condemn some to die, for violating rules that they say keep them safe, but really it's just the same thing. The people in power making decisions to kill the innocent. Ray Liotta sees this better than anybody because of his dark past, which we don't know about. But we know about because he keeps having these moments where he sees fire and then he looks at the fire for a long time and it goes into a trance, and then we see the opening titles to the video game, Goldeneye, with just like bad explosions (laughs) and the silhouettes of, for some reason, very buxom women dying in a fiery death. But Ray Liotta, because he's been so beat up, sticks around for a while and decides to help the facility mainly because of Kevin Dillon. Now, Kevin Dillon plays a character named Casey, who everyone spends the whole movie calling an adorable boy. Again, I am not... (laughs) Taking questions at this time. Casey,
2: I've got a question. No
1: questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Dillon comes on the scene doing a bunch of things I hate. He's got white guy
1: dreads. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. In the early
0: 90s. He talks in this strange pastiche of, like, hip-hop street lingo while also being... Like, Goomba, Brooklyn, wise guy talk. (laughs) And when he's on screen next to Ray Liotta, he does look like a sort of, like, Atlantic City boardwalk caricature sketch of (laughs) Ray Liotta. But... He charms our sadistic, cold-blooded killer by sneaking at, following him everywhere like Scooby-Doo and Shaggy sneaking around a haunted house. It's bananas. (laughs) A good quarter of this two-hour movie. (laughs) This two-hour movie is Kevin Dillon and Ray Liotta staring longingly at each other in close-ups, holding each other tight, Ray Liotta, who has done nothing but murder every other living creature that's come in his <laughs> path, saying, I'm not getting on the island unless Casey does. And then the, oh, his emotional shift is when, spoiler alert, he has to kill Casey in the same pool where he killed the big guy from the beginning of the movie. It ends with, after learning that Ray Liotta has given up on all forms of society because he, as a soldier, was ordered to eviscerate a village of women and children in Libya at the order of his higher-ups, he fulfills his own splody destiny by doing a blazing saddles to to the (laughs) villains, by leading the good guys out of their village, and then exploding the entire group of uh, bad guys. It's rad. The movie's too long. It, it, It definitely has way too many side plots that go off. The rails, But in the end, even though he has lost the love of his life, Kevin Dillon, and has gone back to absolutely <laughs> destroying a group of people in a village in a single fiery blast, Ray Liotta manages to grab a helicopter, leaving Ernie Hudson in charge of the hopeful good guy prison colony, promising a dying Lance Hendrickson to get the story of both what he did in Libya and the truth of the Absalom prison colony out to the public at large and then leave michael lerner the warden to the attentions of evil cannibal wastelanders what is this place
3: sanctuary mr Robbins. we've
0: created a new society here a civilized one we
3: live under constant threat from the outsiders he's military trained. you realize that they taught him how to kill.
0: You have proven yourself a highly resourceful man. We'd like you to join us. All I want to do is get off this island. I've got to believe one of three things are the culprits for this movie not doing well. One, a boring stock title. No Escape is a really, like, yeah. doesn't really do much. It doesn't give you a sense of what's going on. And it is it a great Sega like
1: like- Genesis game title, though. <laughs> Sure, it's, and it's not even that it's. Bad. It's
0: just not much. If the movie took off, then maybe, but like it didn't. And it seems like that's a pretty good reason why. Secondly, the poster is bad. The poster oh, is yeah. really it's, bad. It's, it is yeah. not yeah. a good poster. It's a rough one. It makes the movie look not only incredibly dated, but also super boring. It looks, like, it looks like you're watching Super NES the movie. Yeah, and this movie is not boring. It's also, I also think it's confusing as hell. And a, a, a decision... I like, but I can imagine, especially at the time being particularly strange, casting Lance Hendrickson as not the big bad Mm. is truly wild. Casting him like against type in lieu of having somebody who's very, very good, but largely to American audiences, unrecognizable might not have been the best move, especially with Hendrickson coming off of hard target. I can't also help... But think the the prison island is called Absalom. There, the alternate title of this was Escape from Absalom. Again, not a not a very good title, unless it's trying to be like this pastiche made fifteen years later after Escape from Alcatraz trying to make, like, we're doing Escape from Alcatraz, but in this, like, high-concept future world. It was a movie that had, at the end of the day, the message of the movie was, the machine is evil. It's based on this book from the 80s called The Penal Colony, and it's very possible that in the book they go into deeper why, how prisons are profitable, because this is literally just, like, jungle mad max i don't know how they're making money off of this
1: we have the roadmap to how prisons are profitable now so (laughs) like
0: i love that the message of this movie at the end was like the system is evil imperialism is barbarism the military is an evil function of imperialism this prison is an evil function of imperialism and capitalism as a way of just like forgetting people writing them off condemning the rest of their lives to elsewhere after they transgressed and because of that, it builds a, like, inherently violent culture within it. That is a very interesting critique of the American penal system. And, you know, it's it's a Martin Campbell movie with Brian Cox as the special effects supervisor. A lot of sploties happen. <laughs> it's, it's got everything. <laughs> so, Casey, what were your takeaways for 2022? I guess my takeaway for 2022 is... I've, I've had this long-held theory that um, we treat the movie Shawshank Redemption similar to how we treat prisoners culturally. We we think, oh, of course, humanity. they are people. But like in the middle of the day with commercial breaks, <laughs> like I watch it sometimes.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: respect it and all. But like, you know, like on TNT. <laughs> But I actually find that it's like... <laughs> if you do the work that this movie requires you to, I get a lot more out of just thinking of however you want to feel about rehabilitation, crime and punishment. You know, there's a lot to be talked about. But, but restructuring our idea of prisons as cinematic totems, as something that you, like, pull apart within a movie. Yeah, the idea of, like, using a prison colony to, say, the effect of the entire enterprise is dehumanizing and monstrous and assists a, like, greater imperial... Barbarism. And then you put a character named Casey in there and have every character call him a cute boy? <laughs> That's what this yeah. of movie, baby.
1: Yeah, it's not great, you know, uh, on a general sense, but compared to the other movies, it sounds like those of us who are not in prison are probably better off in the 2022. Uh, world of no escape than the other movies
0: by omission because we have no idea what's going on in the right.
2: world. <laughs> <laughs> much like the characters the only no life on the inside yeah <laughs> literally the only
0: thing we know about the outside world is they have really shitty hologram technology which we, we also <laughs> do. <So>. it's true <laughs> and we're still haunted by the atrocities in benghazi, <laughs> yeah, and benghazi was still one of the worst <laughs> tragedies in recent history I feel like what the movies from last year taught us was that 2021 was a, an end point, but with hope. There, I felt like all those movies ended hopefully. Even the hopefulness of like, it's the end. We're all together. Mm. Let's hold hands and mm-hmm. embrace it. Whereas no, you're very these right. movies were much, like 2022's <laughs> perception is like, this is the end. It's all over. And it's, it's not going to be a
2: good ride. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> not, it's yeah, It's That's, bleak. Guys,
2: No guys, come on. I mean, you're all missing the greater lesson here. If we can live in the past, Maybe we can change the future. Yeah. So forget the present. Just forget it. Just As ignore say, it. It's lost. It's gone.
1: Should all acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Ooh. Never Should brought all acquaintance to mind. be forgot?
2: I mean,
0: if we've learned anything, well, the years start coming and they don't stop coming.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. In your ear. Podcast Network.